Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. If you feel like joining me in um, reading Matthew 5, 1 through 11, I'll give you a chance to turn there. Um, in the Bibles in our pews, it's on page 936. Good morning. Welcome. My name is Heather. Um, I've been coming to West Hills, part of the community, for about three and a half years. Um, my full-time job is managing a young adult homeless shelter in downtown Portland. Um, we serve folks that are primarily 18 to 24 years old experiencing homelessness. Um, I'll be reading from, like I said, Matthew 5, verses 1 through 11. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So when I grew up, um, I didn't know what Quakers were. I'm still not 100% sure I do. Um, but I grew up in a fairly middle class, um, mostly German and Scandinavian suburb of Minneapolis. Um, I grew up in the Evangelical Free Church, or at least by the time I was in middle school, it was Evangelical Free Church. We have a lot more non-denominational churches out in the Midwest. Um, a little non-conformists, all this Northern Europeans, I guess. Um, so needless to say, we didn't really have a liturgical tradition. I remember celebrating Advent every year, which was the season um, before Christmas, and we would have a gathering, we'd come together as a community and we'd all build wreaths because we had a plethora of um, evergreen trees all around us. So we'd break out the chicken wire and make the wreaths and we'd have the candles and everybody could take a wreath home to celebrate as a family. 
And then on Sundays, we would light each candle um, and, you know, sig signifying what we were thinking about for the week. But that was about as deep as it got. Um, there wasn't a whole lot required of each of the individuals of the community, unless you were, you know, it was your family that was going up to stand in front of the church that week. Um, Lent was only something that I'd heard about because there were a lot of Lutherans um, around in Minnesota. Um, I didn't really know what that was about. Um, I only knew that it was kind of like after Christmas, I guess, maybe before Easter, not really sure. So um, on that note, I also wanted to say uh, Happy Ostara, which is our vernal equinox that's happening in a couple days. Um, obviously, Ostara is where our word Easter comes from. So we are in the midst of Lent as we speak, whether we realize it or not. Um, but uh, all that to say is in my community, there weren't a whole lot of people, at least not openly hungry. Um, and I really had no idea what I'd, of, about fasting until probably I was in high school. And there was this thing called the 40-hour famine where we could all like raise donations and um, fast for uh, 40 hours, obviously, 40-hour famine, right? Um, and raise awareness for world hunger and that sort of thing. Um, not gonna lie, I totally cheated. <laughs> Maybe it was 30 hours, it might have even been 30 hours, I don't even know. But needless to say, it was the longest I'd gone without food ever in my life, and it was real hard, so I might have snuck in some bananas and other things under the guise of, well, I have to go to basketball practice, so I can't go on an empty stomach, right? So um, when I was in college, that's when I finally like kind of branched out from what I'd grown up with, and I started, I, I'd made some friends who were more charismatic, and that's when I got to know things about things like fasting. And I remember um, my friend Sam did a 40-day fast, and he lost a lot of weight. And I don't, you know, and for him it was like, it was a spiritual experience. It was explicitly for his own spiritual revelation. And um, there may have been other reasons for that as well. But that was, that was a new thing for me um, to think about, um, I don't know, I guess uh, pleading with God in that sort of way for change and growth in one's own personal life. Um, and so from time to time, I would do my own fasts. Usually it was out of desperation. I struggled a lot with depression um, at that time in my life. And um, usually it was for relief from that or some sort of other um, spiritual sort of breakthrough in my life. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I became familiar with a community called the International House of Prayer. And they were a community that was focused, like their central focus was on prayer and fasting. And so that was the first time I'd ever become a part of a community where that was normal. And it was an ongoing part of life. We would, I did a six-month uh, internship with them, and Tuesday was community fasting day. Um, so we would have hundreds of people together. Um, we would have... Uh, 
a, a, a meeting every Tuesday afternoon that we would attend together. Um, and it was this community display of this hunger, this spiritual hunger, um, not only for our per personal changes, but changes in our community, which happened to be Kansas City at the time, and changes um, movement of God throughout the world. Um, so yeah, that was, that was different because fasting was just kind of expected there. Um, and that was the first time that I kind of began to realize that fasting from food isn't for everybody. Um, one of the girls in my internship struggled with eating disorder. And for her, eating normal, eating what was healthy for her until she was full was her fast. And that was what she needed to do to honor herself and honor the working of the Spirit in her life. Um, so during that time uh, at the House of Prayer, I gained... You know, every community has its ups and downs, not going to lie. Um, but I had a new and fresh understanding of what fasting meant. Um, first and foremost, it was joining with the creator and what the creator was already doing. Not to say that our... It was this balance between... Yes, our, our prayers and our fasting move the heart of God. But at the end of the day, God is moving. And it's up to us to join with God in what God is already doing in our lives and our communities. Um, and like I said, it was an outward display of what was going on in our inward lives. Um, and it was also... Uh, it, it, with the hope that our own spiritual sensitivity would be increased to the movings and the flow of the Spirit. Um, I don't know about you, but have, uh, uh, I'm very, I've, it gave new meaning to the word hangry. Is everyone familiar with that word, hangry? Um, it's that feeling you get when you haven't eaten recently and every little thing starts to get on your nerves and maybe you notice and maybe you don't but it's directly your anger level is directly related to the quantity of food that you have or haven't had recently and so I got real familiar with that feeling not only in myself but in the people around me being in community where nobody's eaten all day is character building <laughs> Um, it's unpleasant. People are crabby. Um, they are short-tempered. Everyone is tired. Um, and, you know, especially, you know, for folks who normally struggle with blood sugar levels, I'm sure that's real, a real familiar feeling to you. It's like, man, I just haven't, uh, and why can't I, and why is everything on my, oh, right, I didn't eat lunch today. Okay. Um, well, imagine that on the long-term scale with, you know, like 80 other interns, and then you can understand what like maybe six months of my life was like. Um, early 20-somethings doing that, who prefrontal cortex is not fully formed yet either, so <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. So basically when you're fasting, you have to put life on hold, and for folks who are new to the fasting 
um, discipline, usually you think you can just keep going on about your life and it quickly becomes apparent that that's not the case. I mean, when you're angry, when you're sluggish, you have to change your normal patterns and make room for more rest, for more space in your life. And that space can often create room for listening and for meditation um, and for prayer. And that's usually the idea, right? We're, we're giving up something, so hopefully we can gain something. Um, but to expect that our normal routine is just going to proceed is, you know, a little delusional. Um, so uh, for a lot of us, I'm not, and I'm not going to assume this is the case for everyone in this room, but for a lot of us, hunger is a choice. It is a spiritual discipline. It's something that we choose to do because our heart is desiring movement in other areas of our lives. So we're, we're, we're hungry for something. And thankfully, for those of us in the um, Christian tradition, we have this promise straight from the words of Jesus that our hunger for righteousness, our hunger for the movement of the Spirit in our lives will be responded to. We will be satisfied. Um, some of my earliest experiences, I went on some mission trips when I was in high school, but when I, um, after I graduated university and I became a high school teacher, I worked in a school where probably 90% of the students that I worked with qualified for free lunch. So there are programs that are free and reduced. Free is poverty level. Um, so we just provided food for everybody because we're not going to charge the 10% that can afford it, right? Um, but it was a new idea to me that for some of my students, the breakfast that they showed up at 9 a.m. for and the lunch that we served you know, somewhere in the afternoon might be the only two meals that they have that day. Um, and for the, I, I was a high school teacher, so they had some abstract thinking skills and could kind of work through that, but especially like that gave me a whole new appreciation for our elementary and middle school teachers, um, to understand that these little ones who are growing and developing and their brains are, you know, just exploding with knowledge and growth every day, these might be, this might be the only nourishment that they have to fuel that today. Um, so we know that school performance is directly related to um, students having their basic needs met. Um, and to be fair, the food that we served wasn't always the greatest because it's on a budget. And um, yeah, and that kind of also translated and informed my experiences in social services with youth who depend on our day services for three meals a day, who depend on us serving a hot meal when they come into shelter at night because maybe they missed the meals at the day service that day. Um, when I was doing outreach, it informed me on adults experiencing homelessness. Um, you know, if your day is defined by which line you need to enter next, 
it's really hard. Like, it's like, well, I got to be in that line by seven to get into the mission for breakfast. And then I got to get in line for my case manager at TPI. And then I got to get in another line for lunch and another line for a shower and another line for dinner. And then I, ha and by, and, and hope maybe by then I'm already back at the mission. So I'm, that means I'm also in line for shelter, but if not, then I have to go to another place so I can wait to be let in to get some rest. And we all know that if we're hungry or we're tired, that, mean, that makes functioning on a day-to-day -day basis really difficult. So that gives me a lot of compassion, those experiences, both fasting in my own life and being familiar with poverty and pe people experiencing homelessness. Um, it just, it's like if you're struggling every day just to get your basic needs met, you're not thinking about going to treatment. You're not thinking about going to job training. And maybe you are, maybe you did get up at five o'clock this morning and went to labor ready and went and stood outside for two, three, five hours waiting for somebody to pick you up to go to work. But that doesn't mean that you've eaten during that time. Um, so how do you move forward in that circumstance? And I don't expect any of you to have answers, <laughs> right? Um, I'm just throwing this information out there because we aren't, don't always have access to these ideas in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, so back to Lent, which is now. Um, I chose to give up alcohol, um, which has never really been a problem for me, per se. I've given up alcohol in the past, um, out of like anger and resentment for the destruction it's caused in other people's lives in my life. Um, but this time I realized, especially over the winter, work is, like, work is stressful, life is stressful. And I was like, oh, this is becoming a coping mechanism for me and I don't want it to be. Um, so for this 40 days-ish, um, I well, with the exception of when I went on vacation, then I decided I could drink outside of the US, <laughs> just, not, just not inside of the United States. So I, I will admit to that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, this, this idea of fasting is obviously not a new idea. Um, it's not a formula. It doesn't mean that, oh, I'm gonna fast for X amount of time and therefore I will see X amount of growth or breakthrough in my life. Um, but if we can look at the desert amas and abbas, if we can look at all of the saints from our liturgical tradition, if we can look at the gurus from um, our Eastern spiritualities, um, even yesterday I took a Reiki class and the whole inspiration was this Japanese gentleman who fasted for 21 days and walked up a mountain and then he saw some colored lights and I was like I wonder if that was the from the fasting and hiking or if that was a spiritual experience but regardless we have this whole healing energetic healing tradition which is Reiki that came from that experience from for him um, so to say intentional fasting does something perhaps it's just a softening of our own hearts um, which I would I would say is worth it, at least for me. Um, perhaps it gives us a fresh understanding of the larger world around us and why it's so difficult to move forward if we're struggling to get our basic needs met. 
but all that to say, um, in conclusion, I don't have like some cool little way to tie all of these thoughts and ideas up, um, but the query that I will leave you with is, what is your heart hungry for? And to what lengths are you willing and able to go for these desires? And for those who find yourself physically satisfied on a day-to-day -day basis, how can I show mercy and be compassionate to the hungry and serve their needs? <laughs>